Okay, kids, I have a question for you. What is your favorite day of the week? Saturday? Sunday or Monday? Yeah? What's your favorite day of the week? <laughs> my, my favorite day of the week is Saturday. My favorite day of the week is Saturday because I get to sleep in on Saturdays. And my favorite day of the week is Saturday because on Saturdays, most Saturdays, we make pancakes or waffles or crepes or something fun because we're having a relaxed morning and coffee that pairs very well with a breakfast like that. And my favorite day is Saturday because we just get to be together as a family and relax. And so Saturday's my favorite day. Today, we are going to be talking about the rest that God invites us into. And I think that what we're talking about is that kind of a day, a Saturday, a Sabbath day, a day where we are invited to rest and enjoy being with God. So let's turn together and look at Hebrews chapter 4. Here's how it goes in Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. He's, what he's talking about here is that um, God has provided rest for people. But there are many people that refuse to enter into that rest. They don't want to rest. They're being offered a Saturday and they're going, nope, I don't want Saturday. I want to work Monday through Friday and get ready for work on Sunday, and I don't want a Saturday rest. Let's do this all the time. So it starts here in verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, 
Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. There is an offer of rest, but don't fail to get that rest. Don't fail to, to reach that rest. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message that they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. As for we who believed, as for we who have believed, enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in, their, in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, if we back up into chapter 3, we see that what he's talking about here is how he's comparing uh, Jesus to Moses. The author of Hebrews is comparing Jesus to Moses, and he's saying, look, Moses was great. Moses was great. Moses was a great prophet, and uh, he led God's people, and he led them very well. He was, was wonderful as a servant of God but oh, Jesus is better. Jesus is so much better. Moses was awesome. He brought the law down, the instructions from God down the mountain, from the mouth of God to the people so that they would know who God is. Moses is so great, but Jesus is better. So much better. Like a faithful son. Moses was a great servant, but, but Jesus is a faithful son. And just as Moses offered the people rest, right? He brought them out of Egypt. He brought them through the desert. He brought them up to the land that God had promised them. And he was going to lead them in. And they went, you know, no. Moses going, what are you talking about? No. What do you mean? God brought you out of Egypt. He brought you through the desert and he brought you to this place so that you could go in to a land flowing with milk and honey. So that we could go in to this new home and rest there. And the Israelites said, no, it's scary in there. The people are big and strong. I, no, I, I don't want to go in. Moses is saying, guys, guys, God has promised to give this land to you. They went, no, we don't, we don't believe that. We don't believe that God is going to give us this good gift of this land. And they refused to go in. So that in, in Hebrews chapter 3, if we back up, in verse 6 it says, Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. He's quoting from Psalm 95. He's quoting these uh, words about 
the Holy Spirit saying, hey, don't be like them. Don't be like them. Psalm 95 is, is this rehearsing of all the great things that God has done, and then it ends this way. Don't, don't be like them who hardened their hearts and refused to believe and accept the good gifts from God. Don't be like them. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Though I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways, and as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So the author of Hebrews quotes this psalm, Psalm 95, and then admonishes us and his hearers, saying, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom, he was, with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? Who, who are we talking about here? That God said, they shall not enter my rest. Wasn't it the very people who saw the miraculous work of God in the ten plagues? Wasn't it the very people that he led out of Egypt? Wasn't it the very people who stood at the bottom of Mount Sinai as there was smoke and thunder and earthquake as God gave his law to Moses and Moses brought it down? Wasn't it not them who then did not believe that God would give them the land? And so God instead had them wander in the wilderness for 40 years and said, they're not going to enter my rest they're going to wander in the desert for 40 years instead. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. It wasn't because they did not believe God. God had said, look, I am going to give you this land. And Moses tried to convince them. And Joshua, remember Joshua and Caleb went through and they saw the whole land and they said, oh yeah, there are these huge guys there, but God is going to give us this land. He's going to give us this rest. We can go in and get this rest. And they didn't believe. They didn't believe. They went, no, we don't think that God is going to do that for us. We think that we are going to die. We think it would have been better if we stayed in Egypt. And so God said, okay, you don't get to enter into my rest then. You don't get to come in. That's this whole setup in chapter 3, so that when you get to chapter 4, he's saying, okay, now, now you, while there is still a promise of entering into God's rest, now you accept the rest of God. For good news came to us just as it did to them. 
But the message that they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So when we hear the message from God that Jesus has done all of the work that we need to do and died on the cross for our sins so that we can be restored to him, then what do we do? We have to believe that that's true and enter into the rest of God. But you know what I find? I find that it's all too easy to get caught up in the work. To feel like I need to do more. To get all stressed out about all of the daily cares of life. and refuse to enter into the rest that God offers. I find myself worrying, will, will there be enough? Will I have enough? Will my family have enough? Am I doing enough? How, how often have I turned to my wife and said, I can't do all the things. There's this huge list of things that I feel like have to be done, and I cannot do them. I'm trying, and I'm tired, and I'm stressed, and I can't get them all done. Why do I feel that way? If God is saying to me, hey, Travis, I have done all of the work, and I have offered you my son, and I will be faithful to you, and I will provide for you then why do I have this kind of unbelief that keeps me from entering into the peace and rest that God provides? Verse 4 says this, For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. Don't you love that? I think I remember somewhere reading and God rested from all his works on the seventh day. Somewhere I think it says that. Has anybody ever heard that before? Yeah. Why? Genesis. Yeah, Genesis chapter 2. The very beginning of Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed that seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God had created everything in six days. He created everything, and on the seventh day he rested. He, he just relaxed and enjoyed the completion of his work. He had said, this is all very good. I like the way that I have done this. I like the way that I have created the light and separated it from the darkness. I like the way that I have created the world and separated the land from the sea and put the fish in the sea and the plants on the land 
and the animals to roam the land, and I like the way that I have created mankind in my image to rule over the earth and to be in relationship with me. I like this. And so he stops his working and he rests in the satisfaction of a job well done. Just resting in the pleasure of that. And from God's perspective, he had worked for six days and then he rested. What happened from man's perspective? He was created on day six. And what did he do on day seven? Day one for man. He rested with God. God had already done all of the work. He had provided in every way. He did all of the work. Mankind had done nothing yet except for be created. And then on the seventh day, they rest with God and enjoy all of the work that God has done. And that's the kind of God we serve. He's the one that offers us this rest that we can just walk into it and go, God, what? awesome work you have done. How well you have provided for me. I am not lacking in anything because you have already ahead of time thought of all of my needs and provided them for me. And so I get to begin with rest. So that when on Mount Sinai, God gives the commands, the, the, the Ten Commandments, we have a couple of commands about having no other gods, having no false gods, not taking the Lord's name in vain. And then the next command, what's that? Honor the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, not you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner within your gates. Because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." On that Sabbath day, on that Saturday, we rest. We rest from our work. Does it mean that the to-do list is completely done? Rarely. Rarely. But we rest anyway. When you get to the end of the day, have you completed all of the work that you had to do for that day? If you're like me, rarely is all of the work done. And yet we rest at the end of the day. We have these cycles of rest. At the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of a season, we have periods of vacation, we have periods of rest because we, we require that rest, right? We could run our bodies ragged, doing all of the work all of the time, high stress. We would still never get it all done and we would burn ourselves out. But that's not what God has given us to do. 
He has said, look, I've already done all the work. I'm just inviting you to participate in my rest. Sure, there are things to do. I'm not saying that we never do work. No, God designed us, created us to do work. Six days we do work. But let us never forget that we were also designed to rest. That we get to participate in that rest. That we have been invited into that rest. Just like the people of God were invited into the land that he provided them and then refused to enter into that rest. Let us not do that. Let us not be so busy that we refuse to enter into the rest of the day or the rest of the week. Do you know that according to the Hebrew schedule, the Sabbath would begin at sundown? Because a day would begin at sundown and then end at sundown. So you, instead of counting the days from midnight to midnight, which why we made that up, I don't know. But instead it would be from sundown to sundown. Which means that literally you would begin every day with rest. Preparing yourself for the work to do. God has invited us into that rest, that peace, that calm. When we believe the gospel, that God has done all of the work and that he provides everything that we need, then we can do that. If we don't believe that God has done that, then there's all kinds of things that we feel like we must do. We're constantly wondering, have I done enough? Is it good enough? We wonder that for the sake of our identity. We wonder it for the sake of our security and for our family. But the reality is, if we believe that God is who he says he is, then he has created all of these things. He has all of the resources, and he will faithfully give to us all that we need as a loving father gives to his children. And what has he invited us to do? to rest with him on Saturday. When I think about what I need to do for God, very often it's a to-do list. These are the things that I, the, the religious things that I should do. Rather than thinking, you know what I really want to do with God is just have coffee and waffles. I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to have coffee and waffles with God. We're going to read a book together. Then we're going to take a nap just because. And I'm going to rest with God. And that's going to be my act of worship today. If I didn't have more stuff to tell you, I'd say, let's all just take a 15-minute nap right now. The longer I spend as a parent, the more I feel like I want that nap. The Lord takes the Sabbath so seriously that in Exodus 31, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. 
Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. That took a turn. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. On the seventh day he rested and he, he rested in the satisfaction of all that he had done. And we get to do that same thing. We rest in the glory of all that God has done. We just rest. But they didn't. Even though God had done all of those things, even though he offered them this rest, they refused to enter. And so he said, they shall not enter my rest. He created the world and then offered us to enter into his rest saying, look, there is work to be done but I will provide for you. And you will remember that I am the one who provides for you by taking the rest with me. That's how you're going to remember that I'm the one who provides, is by resting. We now do the same thing spiritually as well. Physically, we do that, remembering that God created the heavens and the earth. And he rested on the seventh day, and so we can rest with him, knowing that he provides for all of our needs. But then spiritually as well, it is not our effort, it is not our work that makes us pleasing to God. There are things that we can do and we should do to honor God. And we should not sin, but we are not doing it as a way of earning God's favor. It's not our work in that regard. Because Jesus already did that and he went to the cross and when he stretched out his arms, he said, it is finished. The work is done. And he invites us to enter into his Sabbath rest. Since therefore, verse six of Hebrews four, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of their disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He says, much, much later, at the time of David, David was, was writing this psalm, and he says, today, instructing God's people, today, don't harden your hearts like the people of Israel did. 
Don't, don't harden your hearts like them in the time of Moses and fail to enter into God's rest today. Verse 8, for if Joshua had given them rest, right, eventually Joshua did take them after 40 years into the land that God had promised them. If that had been the fulfillment of all of the rest that God had intended for his people, then David wouldn't have later talked about a new day today enter his rest because it would have already been done. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. How are you doing at rest? If we consider rest to be an acknowledgement that God has done all of the work and we get to rest in him. How are we doing? I, I have to admit that reading this to me was a great blessing and a great conviction this week. As I thought, what an awesome gift God has given to us that we get to rest in him. And at the same time, why am I so stressed so often? If God has already done the work, and I believe that he has, and if God has already provided, and I believe that he has, and if God even foreordained the works that I would do to please and glorify him, which I believe that he has, then why am I stressed? What business do I have worrying about it? I don't want my kids stressing about whether or not they have the things that they need, whether or not they're going to have food that they need. That's for me to take care of. They shouldn't be worried about that, those things. What they should be worried about is having a Saturday with me. That we can just enjoy that together. I don't, I don't mean for this to be like a conviction thing. Hey, now, okay, here's the deal. Now what you have to do is do a better job of resting. <laughs> but rather, as an invitation, do you know that there is so much more to this rest? And God is inviting you in. Have you ever wanted to invite somebody to something and then they refuse to come? You're going to have a birthday party or something, some kind of celebration, and you invited people to come and you said, hey, come, we're going to have so much fun. I'm, I made all these plans. Okay, well, what do you want me to do? Nothing. I don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to bring anything. I just want you to come and celebrate with me. Yet yeah, no. What? But it's going to be awesome. We're going to have so much fun. I made all of these plans. I did all of this preparation. I did all of this work so that you could come and celebrate with me. And you're not going to come? Yeah, no, I have this thing. 
I've got this work thing. I'm, I would love to. It sounds great, but I've got this work thing. And how often am I telling God, hey, you know, the rest thing sounds great, but I don't really have time for that because I've got all this stuff I need to do. God's going, what do you do for a living again? You work for me. You can't rest with me? Didn't I take care of it all? Didn't I do it all? Didn't I provide it all so that you can rest with me? Today, don't harden your heart like those in the rebellion, but rather believe that Jesus has already done all of the work and God will provide all that you need so that you can enter into the rest that God offers. I think it's so wonderful that God provides this in rhythms, in daily rhythms, in weekly rhythms, in seasonal rhythms, in annual rhythms. He provides time of rest. It's just built in. Sometimes we, we talk about, you know, if you don't take the rest, then you're going to end up getting sick and God's just going to make you rest. If you don't take the time off, it's going to just wear you out and then you're going to be forced into it. I, I don't think that we should need to be threatened. The invitation is too good to enter into his rest. In fact, as uh, Hebrews chapter 4 goes on in verses 14 to 16, listen to this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what I think rest is. That any time that we have stress, any time that we're worried about something or have, have anxiety of any kind, instead of bearing that burden ourselves, instead we with confidence walk into the throne room of grace where Jesus is standing as our high priest and we go, this is what's happening. And we find we, that we can receive mercy and grace to help in the time of need. And that's where we go. That's all of the work that's required of us is to just go to God and believe that he provides. Listen to Psalm 95. And I'm, I'm going to warn you ahead of time. You, you've already heard all of this psalm today. You just didn't recognize it because we started with Psalm 95, the first half, and then uh, that was at the beginning of the service. And then it, in the sermon, you've already heard the second half. And Psalm 95 takes a turn halfway through. Okay, so listen to this. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. 
Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah. On the day at, Man at Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now if you think I ended Psalm 95 early without getting to the end of it, that's not right. That's the end of Psalm 95. What a great dichotomy between those two halves. One, who God is, the one who created the heavens and the earth and relates to us as a shepherd who cares for us so that we can enter into his presence and worship him. And then alternatively, what happens if we, in disobedience to the gospel, in disobedience to God, refuse to enter into his rest. Those are the two things put before us today. To accept the work of Jesus, to believe that it is sufficient for us, and to enter into the rest that God provides. Or to disbelieve that and harden our hearts and refuse to accept the rest that God provides. May I encourage you this week to find those times of rest, to not feel guilty about that rest, but at every opportunity rejoice that God gives us time for work and he gives us time for rest because he provides for all of our needs. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for being our faithful father. One who delights to provide for all of our needs. Lord, thank you that you have made us to do work. But that you have also made us to rest. Lord, we believe we believe that we can rest because you have rested. And so we ask, would you fill our hearts with delight for you as we spend time with you this week and rejoice in the great things that you have done? In Jesus' name, amen.